Hello friends, my name is Eric and welcome to episode 43 of the Our Weekly Highlights podcast. Today we are covering the issue highlights for week 23, released on June 7th, 2021. This week's issue is curated by Miles McBain, with help from the Our Weekly team members and contributors. If you grew up in the 80s like I did, and had an affinity for Saturday morning cartoons, you likely heard this phrase more than once more than meets the eye. This doesn't just apply to futuristic robots, but also the immense capabilities that the R Markdown ecosystem brings to the table, and more specifically, the immense flexibility offered in the Knitter package. Of course, launching a template R Markdown document in something like RStudio gives you a taste of what R Markdown offers. And what's been evident in the brief history of this very podcast and beyond is that the R community has taken the building blocks that R Markdown provides to amazing directions. For instance, Emily Reederer has shared in multiple conferences of the values of R Markdown as a driver for package development. In this light, having good practices with making our markdown code chunks both efficient and logically structured can save a lot of time and effort. And none other than the esteemed author of our markdown himself, Iwe Sia, has drafted a terrific post detailing a ready-made solution for our first highlight today. In many of my reports from the early days of our markdown's existence, I would end up copying pasting a few code chunks especially if I was trying to both share results and also the process of how to accomplish certain tasks like a novel visualization. If you find yourself in that situation, Iwe shares a few of the different ways you can reuse code chunks throughout an R Markdown file, but also the relatively new flexibility in reusing reusing chunk options. While the ability to set knitter template options has been around since 2012, sometimes you might have a situation where a downstream chunk has the options you want to use and not necessarily a set defined globally like in the first approach. In another win for open source development, data scientists with the GitHub handle Atusi contributed an awesome pull request that made it into Knitter version 1.32, and all you have to do is set the chunk option ops.label as the name of the chunk you want to reuse from for those options. Iwe concludes the post with how you can reuse both the chunk options and chunk content from a previous chunk. The less typing way is to set the ref.label argument to the name of the previous chunk, but wrapped in the somewhat ambiguous, at least for me, I function from base R. But I prefer the more descriptive approach of setting ref.label and ops.label to be simply the name of the previous chunk. There is a lot more customization possible thanks to the immense flexibility Knitter provides, and I'm excited to see the R community continue to push the boundaries of the R Markdown ecosystem. Staying with a development theme, 
With the rise of data science across many industries and the massive data being generated, it's a practical reality that many in the field are leveraging not just one tool for their analytical task at hand. Programming languages come immediately to mind, as I can personally attest that while I am very much using R as my primary statistical computing engine, I am also hopping to Python and various web stacks like Node.js on occasion for specific use cases. But it is not just languages where I value the ability to pick and choose, it is also development environments. A single IDE may not always be appropriate for all situations, and there may be other factors, such as infrastructure, that dictate the choice. Economists by training and now data scientist Alberson Miranda pursued learning Python last year and became a big fan of the support Visual Studio Code provides for Python development. Members of the R community have been leading solid efforts to bring near first-class support for R within Visual Studio Code. From the impressive language server package read by, led by Randy Lai and Kun Ren, to more recently the ability to run most RStudio add-ins within VS Code directly, thanks to the immense work from this week's curator, Miles McBain. These major developments enticed Alberson to explore using Visual Studio Code for R programming, and his detailed blog post documenting his setup is our second highlight today. On top of the aforementioned language server package that powers various editing features, like hovers for function parameter information and data frame characteristics, the rich ecosystem of Visual Studio Code's marketplace of extensions also brings time-saving integrations with GitHub and one that really caught my eye, the ability to edit diagrams in VS Code directly with the draw.io extension. What a great way to be able to sketch out a design specification in the same interface. And also, Alberson mentions another extension that I am very much keeping my eye on is the ability for live sharing code for remote programming with another colleague. Alberson then shares how he configured his settings for VS Code and the various extensions and packages necessary to make it happen. This is a terrific post to start with if you're brand new to Visual Studio Code with our development. And I've already pushed a few updates to my settings used in my dockerized R development tempo repository on GitHub with a few of the nuggets shared in Alperson's post. And now for our last highlight of today. There are a multitude of reasons why R has such a strong position in the realms of statistical research and data science. The core of the language itself provides the foundation for an immense array of packages, and the realm of visualizations are no exception. Many highlights mentioned in previous episodes shared the almost too-good-to-be-true visualizations using ggplot2 to drive them all. Even with ggplot2 being firmly established well before the tidyverse was conceived, the grammar of graphics and interface philosophy in ggplot2 gives both new and experienced R users the ability to rapidly prototype and polish visualizations. What some may not realize is that ggplot2 
as well as the lattice package stand on the shoulders of the powerful grid package that is included within a base R installation. Grid provides a low-level interface to draw and arrange basic shapes and text using various grob functions. Since any plot object from ggplot2 inherits from the grid package, there are a few yet limited opportunities to customize an existing plot with proficiency in usage of grid. However, the out-of-the-box ggplot2 does not allow access to all grid shapes, units, or viewports without depending on specific geom interfaces to be developed by the community. But none other than associate professor at the University of Auckland, that's actually where R was born, and member of the R core team Paul Merle has created the brand new GG Grid package to bridge this gap with a comprehensive report covering the motivation and use cases. Paul leads off with the steps one might take to put a simple text label in the upper right corner of a basic ggplot2 scatterplot. In the confines of ggplot2, one has to set position arguments in the context of the plot scales, which may be cumbersome to deal with in certain situations. However, the lattice package provides a panel function that gives grid-style positioning capabilities, so naturally, one may ask why ggplot2 can't have that same functionality. It is possible to force access to the ggplot's grid objects after the fact, but then you lose the context of the data applied to the plot, which may be useful in certain customizations. And that's where ggGrid comes to light, giving the user the keys to customize with low-level grid concepts and still keep the best aspects of ggplot2 for the overall structure of the plot. Two functions that drive the interface for ggGrid are grid panel, which gives that aforementioned lattice-like treatment to a ggplot2 object, and grid group, which takes it a step further by tapping into the plot's group characteristics already available for more customization of the new elements. I freely admit there is a lot to unpack in this report, but Paul covers all of the bases, so to speak, and ggGrid promises to be a valuable tool in the ggplot2 ecosystem to unlock more customizations at your fingertips. And those are your R Weekly Highlights for today. This issue is chock full of additional stories that are certainly highlight worthy, such as the brand new Sherrigan Gallery of Cool Tricks and Themes, a novel explanation of public key cartography based on colors, and much more. As always, you can find all of the links from this and previous issues on rweekly.org, and our team is always ready to welcome new curators interested in supporting this valuable project. Complete details on becoming a curator are always linked at the top of each issue. And if you are listening to this episode on its initial release day of Tuesday, two of our own curators will be part of separate live streams today. I will have a special Shiny Developer Series live stream on my Twitch channel at 3.30 p.m. Eastern, Eastern Time, 
and Tony Elhabar is returning as a contestant for the Sliced Data Science Competition at 8.30 p.m. Eastern on Nick Wan's Twitch channel. Have a great week, and we'll be back with another batch of our weekly highlights next week.